the next big crisis. Why retire young? The looming retirement disaster. You're listening to World Reading Club, presented by Hakeem Alibokas Alexander on Spreaker and Wisdom. Social Audio Inc. and Social Podcasting. This is from Fake by Robert Kiyosaki. Fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. How lies are making the poor and middle class poorer. This is from chapter 14. Why retire young, the next big crisis. In June 1974, I signed my discharge papers and drove off the Marine Air Station in Hawaii. Returning my last salute from the Marine Guard, I drove to my new home in Waikiki, a free man. I had been in the military since August 1965, the month and year I entered the U.S. Marine Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York. My new home was a one-bedroom, one-bath condo in the Ilikai Hotel, a luxury hotel on Waikiki Beach. I chose the Ilikai because it had condominiums that could be placed in the hotel rental pool, i.e. turn my home liability into an income-producing asset. The main selling point was I had full use of all the hotel amenities, pool, gym, restaurants, nightclubs, and room service. The price was right, only $32,000 for a tiny 600-square-foot hotel condo. As a 27-year-old single male, 600 square feet in the heart of the nightlife of Waikiki was all I needed. I started working at the Xerox Corporation in downtown Honolulu the following Monday. I did not take any time off because I now had a mortgage to pay. Retire in 20 years. My poor dad did not want me to leave the Marine Corps. He wanted me to stay in the Marine Corps for 20 years and retire. On both my mom and dad's sides of the family, retirement benefits seemed to be more important than the actual job. On my mother's side, two of her brothers had careers with the fire department of the state of Hawaii County. They retired with government pensions and benefits after 20 years of service. My mom's two brothers did not have to work after the age of 40 with a state of Hawaii retirement. They fished and played golf for the rest of their lives. Once a year, they traveled to Las Vegas on their annual pilgrimage to the mainland. They enjoyed a great retirement. On my dad's side of the family, it was a similar story. A few relatives actually had two and one even three government retirement pensions, plus social security and medical benefits. The uncle with three retirement pensions, who first retired from the army after 20 years, then retired from a federal government job after five years, was working on a third retirement paycheck from the state of Hawaii, was the envy of my dad and the reason why he wanted me to stay in the Marine Corps for 20 years. In 1971, President Nixon, President Richard Nixon, ended convertibility between the U.S. dollar and gold. It marked the start of a massive transfer of workers' wealth to the academic and financial elite. Christopher, it is chapter 14 of a book called Fake by Robert T. Kiyosaki. Fake money, fake teachers, fake assets, how lies are making the poor and middle class uh, poor. I didn't notice anybody was here. Uh, hello, Darlene, Mojo, Christopher, what's up, brother? Mary Cage, Chocolate Yoda, Austin W., Marcian. All right, so in the 401k plan, 
1971, President Richard Nixon ended convertibility between the U.S. dollar and gold. It marked the start of a massive transfer of workers' wealth to the academic and financial elite. It was those same elites whom Stephen Brill wrote about in Tailspin. Earlier in this book, I quote Brill's account on how the academic elite from our nation's top schools began creating exotic financial products such as CDOs and MBSs, financial derivatives that had that add very little value to the economy and rip off the working class, yet make the academic and financial elite extremely rich. 1974, the year I left the Marine Corps, was also the year the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, which protected employees' company pensions, went into effect. Four years later, 401k, another financially engineered retirement program, got its beginnings. There was a problem with this. Suddenly, non-investors, men and women without any financial education, were expected to become investors. That was the start of a massive financial ripoff by two big-to-fail banks, the U.S. government and Wall Street. The years 1971 and 1974 will go down in history as turning points. 50, maybe 100 years from now, scholars will look back at 1971 and 1974 as the years the academic and financial elites of America perpetrated a massive cash heist, stealing the wealth of millions of baby boomers who innocently participated in trillion-dollar government-sanctioned cash heists known as retirement plans. By the way, 1972 was the year Nixon opened the door to China. The looming retirement disaster. Today, the world faces many growing disasters, disasters such as the poisoning of the environment, massive global debt, and cyber terrorism. A disaster in the making that few are paying attention to today is the same disaster my poor dad faced in the 1970s, entering his retirement years without a retirement paycheck. Pensions going bust. Consider these reports. April 16th, 2018, Investor's Business Daily, Pension Crisis. As the media relentlessly focus on the federal government's burgeoning debt, a new report says that states face their own ticking debt time bomb. The exploding liabilities for lavish state and local public employee pensions. Reform won't be easy, but there's no choice. June 22nd, 2018. Simon Black, sovereign man. The city of San Diego has a 6.25 billion shortfall on obligations promised to current and retired employees. The state of New Jersey has 90 billion in unfunded pension liabilities, and of course, Social Security and Medicare have unfunded liabilities totaling tens of trillions of dollars. The situation isn't any different in Europe. Spain's Social Security Reserve Fund has been heavily invested in Spanish government bonds for several years. Bonds that had an average yield of negative 0.19%. You read or heard that correctly. Unsurprisingly, Spain's pension fund is almost fully depleted. The United Kingdom has trillions of pounds worth of unfunded public pensions. Even conservative Switzerland. Has a public pension that's only 69% funded, a seemingly fantastic number by today's dismal standards. Last year, the Swiss government proposed a plan to save its pensions, asking to increase the entire the retirement age for women by one year from 64 to 65, the same as men, and increase VAT by 0.3%. But the plan was rejected by Swiss voters in a national referendum. The third time in 20 years that pension reform failed to pass, and that's really the key issue here. Pension plans are almost universally toast. Most of the time, politicians just ignore the problem and try to kick the can down the road to the next administration. But occasionally, occasionally, they try to do something to help. Yet, whenever they do, voters reject the plan, 
or the union sues, or something else happens that prevents much-needed reforms from passing. This merely accelerates the inevitable. These pensions are going bust. Yes, Christopher, I'll be open to discussions in a little bit. Shouldn't be too much longer with this, um, this, this short reading. There's actually one part in here. Well, I'm reading this whole thing. Continuing. March 4th, 2018. Martin Armstrong. Armstrong Economics. The largest public pension fund in the United States is the California Public Employees Retirement System, CalPERS, for civil servants. California is in a state of very serious insolvency. We strongly advise our clients to get out before it's too late. I have been warning that CalPERS was on the verge of insolvency. I have warned that they were secretly lobbying Congress to seize all 401k private pensions and hand it to them to be managed. Mingling private money with the public would enable them to hold off insolvency a bit longer. Of course, CalPERS cannot manage the money they do have, so why should anyone expect them to score a different performance with private money? Indeed, they would just rob private citizens to pay the pensions of state employees and politicians. CalPERS has been making investments to be politically correct with the environment rather than looking at projects that are economically based. Then, CalPERS has been desperate to cover this and other facts up to deny public the public any transparency. Then, because stocks they thought were overpriced last year, they moved to bonds, buying right into the, bu the bond bubble. Clearly, California's economy peaked right on target. And ever since there has been a steady ever since there has been a steady migration of residents out of the state. July 30th, 2018. Sarah Krauss, The Wall Street Journal. Moody's Investors Service estimates state and local pensions have unfunded liabilities of about four trillion, roughly equal to the economy of Germany, the world's fourth largest economy. October 11th, 2018, AFP. Trillions in U.S. net worth vulnerable to recession. International Monetary Fund. The biggest source of risk comes from state and local government retirement pensions, which can lose money when Wall Street sinks, meaning the shortfall has to come from local government budgets. Towns and states then have to cut spending elsewhere, creating a drag on the economy. Nationwide, such pension funds are already underfunded by about 8% of the GDP. Read on for more startling and sobering facts. Zimbabwe. In 2000, Zimbabwe's money became the laughingstock of the world when President Robert Mugabe began printing trillions and quadrillions in fake money to pay government employee pension pensions and war debts. Many wealthy Western nations are following Zimbabwe's financial policy of print, print, print. Nicaragua. In 2018, Nicaragua is on the verge of revolution because the government cannot pay for the government's employ government employees' retirements. Rich cities. Today in 2018, millions of families are living on the streets of many great cities such as New York, San Francisco, Seattle, and Honolulu. Italy. On October 13, 2018, The Economist reported that Italy in particular is a ticking time bomb. It would not take much to set off a new crisis, which would be extremely difficult to control. Panic in Italy might radiate out across financial markets, putting a chill on investment and growth worldwide. The Wall Street Journal, July 19, 2018, Rich States. The three states with the best funded employee pensions. Number one, South Dakota, 100% funded. Number two, Wisconsin, 99.9% funded. Number three, Washington, 98.7% funded. And that's Washington State, not Washington, D.C. Some people mistake that for some reason. It's in Maryland. <clears throat> Four states. And the three states with the worst funded programs... 48, Connecticut, 51.9% funded, 49, Kentucky, 48.9, uh, sorry, 
Number 48 is Connecticut with 51.9% funded. 49 is Kentucky, 48.9% funded. And 50, Illinois, 47.1% funded. These numbers are from 2018. This book was published. This book was published in 2019. Ohio workers' pension fund woes, continuing, are symbolic of national problem. Mark Miller, Reuters, July 27, 2018. Roberta Dell has worked for 46 years making lollipops, and she loves her job. But she worries that retirement may not be as sweet as the dum-dum lollipops she bags. Dell works for the Spengler Candy Company in Bryan, Ohio, a family-owned business that employs 550 workers and makes the venerable candy. Spengler was organized by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Labor Union in 1950, and it became part of the central state's multi-employer pension plan in 1972. But the outlook for her pension is highly uncertain. The central state's pension fund has said it is on a path to insolvency within 10 years. The fund, which covers more than 400,000 retirees and active workers, has become a symbol for all that has gone wrong with multi-employer pension plans. Traditional defined benefit plans jointly funded by groups of employers. These are typically small companies in industries like construction, trucking, mining, and food retailing that would not typically sponsor a pension plan of their own. I always thought the pensions would be there for me when it came to retire, Dell said in an interview. I thought of it as my savings plan. Dell, who is the Teamster Chief Steward at Spengler, testified earlier this month at a hearing of Special U.S. Congressional Committee in Columbus, Ohio, that examined possible solutions for workers like her. More than 10 million retirees are covered by 1,400 multi-employer pension plans, but roughly 200 plans are severely underfunded, the result of stock market crashes in 2001 and 2008 to 2009, and industrial decline that led to no consolidation and declining employment. The problems threaten not only the pensions of individual workers, but also caused the multi-employer insurance program of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation to become insolvent within a decade. The PBGC, or the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, is the U.S. government agency that acts as a backstop to troubled pension plans by insuring the pensions of millions of American workers. Note, very few American workers have heard of the PBGC, or the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. They will when the PBGC goes broke and their pension is downsized. Dell is 65 and widowed. Her husband also worked at Spangler before his death in 2015. She expects to work a few more years before retiring and expects her pension to pay about $1,200 a month. Social Security will provide another $1,400. But as things stand now, pension benefit cuts loom in 2025. Poor Dad's Dilemma. In 2018, millions of employees will be in the same situation my poor dad faced in 1974. His retirement years without a retirement check. Millions of baby boomers may have their dreams of a happy retirement wiped out if or when the next giant crash wipes out their retirement savings and then the PBGC, the Pension Benefits Guarantee Corporation. Investing in fake assets. This is what happens when people invest in fake assets or trust their retirement savings to fake fund managers who invest in fake assets such as stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, ETFs, insurance, and cash. The gap. A 2018 study by the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School has concluded that 40% of the American middle class will slide into poverty as they enter their retirement. Tomorrow's poor have jobs today, but no retirement for tomorrow. Retire young. In 1974, I made a vow I would retire young. Not because I wanted to retire, but because I wanted to challenge myself to retire young. 
If I failed to retire young, I still had years to keep working on my goal of retiring young. I did not want to be 65 years old and find out that my retirement had been wiped out in a market crash or that I did not have enough money to carry me through retirement. As I've stated in previous chapters, I have failed many times in my life. It took me till age 47 to find my personal formula and be able to retire without a job or pension. My purpose for being willing to fail and learn was that failing and learning from my mistakes was how I'd learned to be an entrepreneur and eventually a person who would never need a job, a steady paycheck, or a pension. It took me 20 years to retire. If I had stayed in the Marine Corps during my 20, as my poor dad wanted me to do, or wanted me to, I would not have been smarter or richer after 20 years in the military. Retire rich. Another important reason for being willing to fail and learn was because I wanted to retire young and then retire rich. Back in the 1970s, a great retirement was about $500 a month. Today, $500 a month in retirement income is living in poverty. In 1974, my goal was $120,000 a year in passive income. Then I could retire young. In 1994, Kim, that's his wife, and I reached that goal. Kim was 37 and I was 47. Again, it took me 20 years. It took Kim only 10. Once we achieved $120,000 a year, our next goal was $1.2 million a year. Once $1.2 million was achieved, our next goal was $12 million per year. It was our personal challenge. First, to retire young, then to retire rich. The math is not difficult. First, it was $10,000 a month, then $100,000 a month, then $1 a month. If I had stayed in the Marine Corps for 20 years, I might be making $5,000 a month. Back in 1990, I remember a woman saying to Kim and me, you only earn $120,000 a year? What she did not understand was that we had $120,000 a year coming into our household without working. Her husband, an attorney, earned about $500,000 a year, but he could not stop working. Today, Kim and I earn more in two weeks without working than her husband earns in a year working as an attorney. Giving back. Kim and I have a goal of donating $100 million a year or more to charity when we retire. Our plan is to make money and then give it back. Once Kim and I found our own retirement formula, we retired young and then we became rich. The key first was to invest in what we loved. We did not invest in what some financial planner wanted us to invest in. You might think all of this begs the question, how much is enough? Our goals and plan to be financially free and wealthy have nothing to do with enough. I went beyond enough a long time ago. Why do I need to make so much money? I don't. Making money on the B, business, and I, investor side of the quadrant, is only a game to me. Some people spend their lives chasing a little white ball around a golf course, hoping to shoot below par. Some people spend their lives singing, hoping to be discovered or become a movie star or a sports superstar. That's their game. The important question is this. Are you passionate about your game? That's kind of a loaded question. People who are passionate do what they want to do. Passion is often selfish. On the flip side, passion is better than doing what you hate. And new studies show that 70% of all Americans hate what they do, up from 62% just a few years earlier. I'm often asked if getting richer is my life purpose. No. Many people work with a purpose, putting food on the table, getting their kids through school, or doing work they feel is meaningful. In 1983, while studying with Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller, he said, I do what God wants done. So I asked myself, what does God want done? It's a question I encourage others to ask themselves. In 1983, I was in the rock and roll business. I was having fun. I was cool, hanging out with some of the greatest bands of the time, like The Police and Van Halen. But I could not honestly say that producing products for rock bands was what God had done, even though I was making a lot of money. So I'll ask the question, what do you think God wants done? Although I can't say I really know, I suspect God does not want people to live in poverty. So I began teaching what my rich dad taught me about money, and it seems to have God's, God's support. 
So I keep on teaching and yes, make a lot of money. I would be a fake teacher if I was teaching people to be rich and I myself was poor. Now let me ask you a few questions. What do you think God wants done that you want to do? Are you willing to do what God wants done? If you could cure cancer, would you? If you could eradicate world hunger, would you? If you could solve global warming, would you? Or do you only want to make enough money for you? In 1974, I already had two high paying professions. One as a ship's officer sailing tankers for Standard Oil and the other flying for the airlines. Both were careers as a high paid employee in the E quadrant, employee quadrant. I wanted to find out if I could make it in the B, business and I quadrant, investor quadrants. Going through hell. As Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Transitioning to the BNI quadrants was a tough journey. As I stated in the last chapter, if not for my spiritual education and spiritual teachers, I would not have made it. Going through hell made Kim and me smarter and stronger, better able to do what God wants done. Rich Dad said, there are many doors to financial heaven. There are even more doors to financial hell. As you know, most entrepreneurs go through hell before achieving success in the B and I quadrants. Examples include Steve Jobs' departure from Apple, his own company, and Bill Gates was sued for Microsoft being a monopoly. Mark Zuckerberg was sued by the Winklevoss twins who claimed Facebook was their idea. Even Jeff Bezos had a few setbacks in founding Amazon. Rich Dad warned, many people take the door to financial hell and never come back. As you know, many people sell their souls hoping to get rich. Many people have ripped off millions of people. Many are still in power at the highest levels of banking, especially Goldman Sachs, the Federal Reserve Bank, and the U.S. Treasury. A few more of the more famous culprits are Bill Clinton, Robert Rubin, Larry Summers, Alan Greenspan, Jack Lew, Tim Geithner, Hank Paulson, Ben Bernanke, Warren Buffett, and Phil Graham. They claim to have saved the economy. In fact, they saved the rich. Bad karma. If there is another financial catastrophe, millions of innocent, hard-working people will be sent to financial hell by these leaders without souls. This is why I'm critical of an education system that teaches students nothing about financial education, punishes students for making mistakes, and views cooperation as cheating. Our education system is a system without a soul. Everyone uses money every day. Why not teach money in school? Learning to be an entrepreneur or learning to become an entrepreneur. In 1974, I started working at Xerox to learn how to sell. I was not a natural salesman. I struggled. I hated knocking on doors, facing rejection after rejection. After the Xerox office closed, I would sit in my office writing sales proposals for new potential customers. If I did not sell, I did not eat or pay my mortgage. If I did not learn to sell, I would never be an entrepreneur in the B&I quadrants. I failed for two years before becoming number one in sales for Xerox in the Honolulu office. Between 1974 and 1976, I took a certified financial planner course. It was a great course. It was tough. It was grueling and I learned a lot about professional financial planning. There is a significant difference between a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and today's 30-day wonder, wonder financial planners who get their license in a few weeks. It takes about two years for a massage therapist to get his or her license. Most of today's 30-day wonder financial planners know little to nothing about investing. They study only to pass a Series 7 license. The difference between a 30-day wonder and a CFP is much like the difference between a bookkeeper, bookkeeper and a CPA. After a 30-day wonder receives their license, they hit the streets looking for clients. Most are looking for a person who is unhappy with their current financial planner. The new planner then convinces the unhappy customer to switch the assets, quote-unquote assets, in his 401k or IRA over to him, and he will make the magic happen. 
Most of the time, the magic does not happen. How can there be much magic? All financial planners are selling basically the same products. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, savings, and insurance. The name of the game. The magic does not happen because the name of the game financial planning companies play is not make our clients rich. The game financial planning companies play is assets under management or AUM. When you watch financial programs such as CNBC or read ads in financial magazines such as Money Magazine, you will, you will see advertised the big magic fund, 100 billion assets under management. To the average person, 100 billion AUM sounds impressive, yet it means little to the average investor. The primary job of the 30-day wonder, aka financial planner, is to increase their company's assets under management, or AUM, not make their client's future more secure. More on AUM later. The primary reason I took the CFP course was not to become a certified financial planner. My primary reason for taking the CFP course was to find out how to retire as young as possible. I learned a lot. Here's what I learned. One, there are two basic types of financial planners. For fee, working by the hour, and for commission, selling the client assets. Two, most only know about paper assets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, savings, and insurance. Financial planners know little about being entrepreneurs, real estate invest investors, or gold or oil investors. And most, important, most importantly, most do not know how to use debt and taxes to gain wealth. Three, most 30-day wonders and CFPs are not professional investors. Most are employees or self-employed working for a paycheck, for fees, bonuses, and commissions. Four, studying for my CFP, I did not learn how to retire young or retire rich. Five, I did learn a lot about insurance, which was what most CFPs focused on selling because the commissions are lucrative. Rich Dad's Plan. Rich Dad taught his son and me that there are four basic asset classes. They are one, business, two, real estate, three, paper assets such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and savings, and four, commodities, gold, silver, oil, food, water. Most financial planners and CFPs sold only paper assets and insurance for commissions. Invest in what you love. Most people are taught do what you love. Rich Dad taught his son and me, invest in what you love. After completing the CFP course, I knew what I was going to invest in. One, I knew my love was to learn to become an entrepreneur, starting and building businesses in the B quadrant, not the S quadrant or small business self-employed quadrant. Becoming an entrepreneur in the B quadrant, 500 employees or more was my challenge. Two, I already knew I loved real estate. After making $25 money monthly with none of my own money, I was hooked and I paid no taxes legally. I was hooked on infinite returns, the art of making money without money. Three, I was not interested in paper assets, especially after taking the CFP course. I knew paper assets were fake assets. I also knew paper assets were best for the average person, employees, and self-employed without a real financial education. Four, I already loved commodities. I loved gold, having purchased my first real gold coin in Hong Kong in 1973. I was also interested in oil because I was trained to be a tanker officer at the academy. Again, paper assets are best for the average investor, a person, without much financial education. Liquid assets. The primary reason paper assets are best for the average investor is because paper assets are liquid, which means you can buy and sell quickly. If you make a mistake, you can sell almost immediately. The same is true for gold and silver coins. They're almost as liquid as paper assets. The weakness with paper assets is the same as their benefit. They are liquid. When there is a crash, a panic, 
mass selling can wipe out an average investor's portfolio in minutes. Today, with high-frequency trading, HTF, paper assets can be bought and sold 10,000 in a second. The average investor investing for the long term could be wiped out over lunch. Dark pools. I need to take a... Tropical smoothie break. Dark pools. <clears throat> in this, early in this book, I stated most of the world of money is now invisible because today modern money is cyber, not paper. The same is true with paper assets. Dark pools are where giant institutional investors, such as banks, hedge funds, and large professional investors, such as Warren Buffett, meet to buy and sell in secret. Today, it is estimated 40% of all paper asset trades are done in dark pools. Mom and pop average investors have no idea what is going on. When the next crash comes, mom and pop may lose their retirement savings in a flash. When Alan Greenspan was questioned about the 2008 crash, he said something like, well, no one saw it coming. Was his statement real or fake? Greenspan is a professional economist in the I quadrant. I also stands for insider as well as investor. Greenspan is an insider. Today, I am an insider on my investments. Mom and pop investors, following their financial planner's advice, are outsiders. In early 2008, six months before Lehman went bankrupt, I was on CNN telling Wolf Blitzer that the markets were going down. If I saw it coming, Greenspan had to know. Insiders in the I-Quadrant knew what was going down, predicting the crash. If you would like to see the CNN video of me predicting the bankruptcy of Lehman and the 2008 crash, go to, if anybody wants that who's listening, I can send it to you. But it's Vimeo, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash V-I-M-E-O dot com forward slash one eight three seven four zero eight two one. There's some question and answer here. Question. How did you see the crash coming? A. Answer. Because I am an insider, an investor from the I-Quadrant. Years before the crash, I was on television and radio warning of the coming real estate crash. Question. What did you know that others did not know? A. Answer. I saw trends. Between 2005 to 2008, our apartment buildings were losing tenants. Many tenants, most who could barely afford the $500 a month rent, were leaving our apartments and going out to buy $300,000 and $500,000 homes. Question. How did they afford these homes? Answer. They were receiving ninja loans. <laughs> no income, no job loans. Oh, that's interesting. That's funny. No income, no job loans. They were receiving subprime loans because they were subprime borrowers. How do you know Warren Buffett? How do you know what Warren Buffett knew? Answer. Because Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, owned a stake in Moody's the company that was rating these subprime loans as prime. Once they were rated as prime, they were sold as mortgage-backed securities, MBSs, and collateralized debt obligations, CDOs, which are derivatives to pension funds, government funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, and other big investors all over the world. Gasoline is a derivative of oil. Jet fuel is a derivative of gasoline. The further the derivative is removed from the original, in this case oil, the more volatile the derivative becomes. In 2008, these derivatives exploded when subprime borrowers could not pay and the whole world nearly collapsed. Millions lost their jobs, homes, and pensions, but not one of the big boys and girls was prosecuted. Only one small neighborhood bank in New York's Chinatown, a bank owned by Chinese Americans, was brought to trial and later found innocent. PBS did a documentary on this bank. The title of the documentary is Abacus, Small Enough to Jail. 
the government picked on a tiny bank rather than the real criminals. As almost everyone knows, the too-big-to-fail banks such as Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and Citibank caused the crash, made billions, and no one was prosecuted. The bankers who made billions from these fake assets were also paid billions in bonuses after the crash. To me, this is criminal. So if I knew subprime loans were criminal and a crash was coming, I suspect Buffett knew. I suspect he knew Modi's rating of subprime loans as prime was fraudulent. After all, it is Buffett who called derivatives financial weapons of mass destruction. That is the benefit of being an inside investor in the I-quadrant with real financial education. When the markets did crash in 2008, Kim and I made millions. That is why I do not invest in paper assets such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and savings. I do not like being an outsider. Also, all paper assets are a form of derivatives. They are not real assets. They are fake assets. Yet, paper assets are best for the average investor without financial education because paper assets are liquid. Paper is easy to get into and easy to get out of. Business and real estate. The, <clears throat> the problem with a business and real estate is they are all illiquid. If you make a mistake, you become the skipper of the Titanic. I know. As an entrepreneur, I have been, I have been captain of Titanics a number of times. I have never lost money in real estate, which is why I recommend taking real estate courses before investing in real estate. Then start small, follow the higher levels of teacher, and practice, practice, practice. Remember, business and real estate are illiquid. That means you can, you must be a lot smarter than the average investor because when you are an entrepreneur in business or real estate, you are an, you are an insider. My formula. When I'm asked about my formula, I have two answers. Answer number one. I say my financial education began with my rich dad playing Mon Monopoly with his son and me. Today, Kim and I play Monopoly in real life. Kim and I like real assets, not derivatives of assets. Kim and I like being insiders, not outsiders. Number two. Answer number two. Kim and I follow the McDonald's formula for great wealth. In Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I quoted Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's, addressing an MBA class at the University of Texas. During the class, Ray Kroc asked, what business is McDonald's in? One student offered the obvious, hamburgers. Ray's reply was, no, McDonald's business is real estate. I follow the McDonald's formula. My businesses are in the business of real estate. The McDonald's formula. The power of words. When I am asked, what is the secret to becoming rich? I say, there are many secrets. One of the secrets is in the power of words. If a person wants to become rich, they must learn to control the words they think and speak. Most people think and speak words that make them poor and keep them poor. In Sunday school, I learned, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 my rich dad taught me, poor people say, I can't afford it. Rich people ask, how can I afford it? Poor people say, I'm not interested in money. Rich people say, if you are not interested in money, money is not interested in you. Poor people say, I'll never be rich. Rich people say, I must be rich. Lesson, people who think and speak the words of poor people should use a financial planner and invest in paper assets. For people who think and speak the words of a poor person, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, savings, and insurance are enough, possibly better than doing nothing. Assets versus liabilities. Rich Dad's definition of assets. Assets put money in your pocket. Rich Dad's definition of liabilities. Liabilities take money from your pockets. Remember, Nouns plus verbs. To tell if something is a real asset or a real liability requires a noun plus a verb. For example, the word asset is a noun. The word flow is a verb. 
You cannot tell an asset from a liability with the verb. For example, a house could be either an asset or liability, depending upon which direction the cash flows. During the 2008 crash, millions of employees, or in the, those in the E quadrant, lost their jobs and soon their homes, finding out their houses were a real liability, not an asset. <clears throat> fake assets are real liabilities. Billions of people invest in fake assets. A 401k is a fake asset because cash keeps flowing out of your pocket. For years, an individual retirement account or IRA is a fake asset. I'm sorry, an individual retirement account or IRA is a fake asset because it takes money out of your pockets for years. A government pension plan is a fake asset because it is taking money out of your pocket for years. A mutual fund is a fake asset. So are stocks, bonds, ETFs, and savings. They are all derivatives. Mutual funds are loaded with fees, fees that make the rich richer and you poorer. Insiders know mutual fund investors put up 100% of the money, take 100% of the risk, yet gain less than 20% of their profits. Again, mutual funds and ETFs, which are derivatives and fake assets, are best for the average investor, passive investors without a real financial education. The problem is, if there is another crash, mom and pop's money may disappear, just as it did in 2008. Assets put money, remember, assets put money in your pocket, liabilities take money from your pocket. Why oh, the hell am I so tired? Um, I just got uh, Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, which is interesting. Because today, so many people are railing against capitalism. That's all I'm fucking hearing is all the capitalism, down with capitalism and all this other shit. Um, but it probably would be worthwhile if you um, learned a little bit about capitalism and how to use it rather than railing against it. Interestingly enough, there's a section here where he talks about the... Um, about uh, capitalism, how it's used. It's more philosophical than anything else, but I think that it's important to um, to share that because it's really very interesting in what he has to say about about um, about capitalism. But if I don't see that page, that which I haven't marked in a second, I'm just going to shut down and go to sleep or something. What the hell? It's fucking tired right now. Well, I can paraphrase. Oh, here we go. I found it. Look at that. As soon as I was going to paraphrase, the universe said, nope, you're not paraphrasing this shit. All right, so there's a there's a little story here. Gold and silver attract wealth, real wealth. Wealth attracts wealth just as poverty attracts poverty. I was once invited to a seminar featuring the Hindu guru, Guru Deva. I was excited to attend. When it came time for questions, more questions were on enlightenment, others on spirituality, peace, or happiness. The guru was wearing a lot of gold, gold glasses a large gold earring, gold bracelets, a gold necklace. Since I was raised a Methodist, and Methodist ministers did not wear much, if any, gold, I raised my hand and asked, why do you wear so much gold? The kindly guru smiled and said, because the tears of God are made of gold. He then said, the tears of God, gold, attract wealth. 
When I asked what he meant by gold attracting wealth, the guru replied, Let's say you want to attract $1,000 a month into your life. Then you own $1,000 of real gold. And if I want $1 million a month, then I own $1 million in gold. The guru, sensing that my greed was taking my, over my spirituality, just smiled and said, Why don't you start with a $1,000 and see if what I say works for you? God does not, or gold does not work for everyone. There are conditions on God's generosity. That year was 1986, and not having much money, finding an extra $1,000 for gold was tough. But Kim and I did it. Every month we purchased some gold and silver, and we never stopped. For example, if we wanted to increase our income from $5,000 a month to $10,000 a month, we would acquire $10,000 in gold in gold coins and forget about the gold. A few months later, it seemed more wealth did come in without us really noticing the increase. If the price of gold went down, we purchased more gold and we just kept going. Today, we must have private vaults in a faraway, safe haven countries. We do not need a private jet and private one runways to hide our gold yet. Whenever Kim and I are asked, will gold attract wealth for me? We reply with the Guru's reply. Why not try it yourself and see if gold, God's tears, works for you? God is generous, but there are conditions on God's generosity. And here's the important part, spiritual lessons on gold. While the tears of God are made of gold, the question each of us needs to ask ourselves, are God's tears tears of joy or tears of sadness? Much of the gold in storage is from tears of sadness. When I was standing in the Andes, looking at ancient Inca gold mines, I was reminded of my history lesson on how the Spaniards, led by Francisco Pizarro, murdered thousands of natives just for gold and other precious gems and metals. The Nazis did the same to the Jews. So did most conquerors. The English did the same to the Scots, Irish, Maoris, and Aborigines. The Americans did it to the American Indians and the Hawaiians. White American slave owners did it to African slaves. The Japanese did it to the Chinese and Koreans. And the elites are doing the same today. The spiritual lesson applies to anything, or this spiritual lesson applies to anything. It is not your money or your wealth that matters. It is how you acquired your money and wealth that matters. Once again, it is not your money or your wealth that matters. It is how you acquired your money and wealth that matters. So for people who want to rail against capitalism and systems of business and things like that about getting money, if they think it's an evil system, that's not the system itself. It's the fucking assholes who work in the system. So just don't be a fucking asshole.